ladies and gentlemen, with your hypnotist, Jimmy D. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Yes, Rosie, how you doing? Hi, Jimmy. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. Yeah, I'm doing We, we had a few bugs, too. but hey, we, we worked it out. Yeah, we did. Technology. And sort of your new laptop now. Yes. Sort of, uh, <laughs> at least it works. Yeah, <laughs> finally we got there. <laughs> For anyone watching, sort of, you were saying you were sitting on a yoga ball. Yes, yeah, I'm, so I am, yeah. Pre- precaution of motion sickness, yes. Yeah, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm rolling around a little bit, it's, um, yeah, it's just the exercise ball. If I'm rolling around a little bit, it's Saturday night. But <laughs> <laughs> Friday morning, though, Jim. After a few drinks. <laughs> hey, hair of the dog. No. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about yourself, what your hobbies are like, sort of how you got into counselling NDIS customers. and Yeah, of course. So oh, it's like where to start. There's just so much there. So my hobbies I'll start with, always art, always creating something, whether it's drawing or portraits or painting physical stuff or dog noses or Russian dolls. That's a really, really, just any sort of creativity is gets me through every single day. They're, they're kind of not really that closely related. Dogs' noses and Russian dolls, they're kind of like the opposite end yeah. of the scale. Yeah, I have, a, I have a vast range of subjects in my sketchbook. It's just writing, creativity, all of that. Music is another massive one. I've played saxophone for a very long time. So, yeah, that's, we're big. So you're like Lisa from The Simpsons. She did inspire me. I was five years old when I started playing and she was my main source of inspiration at the time as a five-year-old, so. As long as you don't take a pineapple to the hairdressers and go, I'm going to be like this. <laughs> no, no, no. The hair, the hair will stay brown and, and in this direction. But, yeah, so I played sax from five till I was 12 and um, I did master it and I played a lot of jazz. My dad was in bands when I was growing up, so really cool environment just falling asleep and waking up to music every single day and at 12 I had a a small break I stopped playing for 12 years and um, I picked it back up when I was 24 and just remembered every it's a great outlet my um, partner Jesse he plays guitar and sings and plays drums so music's quite a big part of both of our lives which is cool that we can enjoy that together as well obviously he doesn't do that all at once yeah, yeah, he does. He has several arms, so. <laughs> he's like one of those one-man bands you can see out there. So ding, 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 he's got the cowbell. And he's like, yeah! Don't, don't, because if he sees this, that will inspire him and he'll probably walk in with, you know, the symbols on the leg and the spoons over here. And yeah, please don't for my for my sake. Yeah. And then sort of like, yeehaw will be the theme of your house that night. He's like, yoo-hoo! Yeah. You sit there going, oh, Rosie's party again crazy lady yeah. <laughs> yeah probably i think the neighbors Her, already are too Jesse having a jamboree. <laughs> yeah i don't know how much the neighbors love my sax playing yeah we try to keep the windows shut when, when that's going on my hobbies yeah art creativity music our beautiful dogs here and anything to do with the beach we love getting to the beach when we can and private rosy life awesome as for professional people like to hear yeah yeah. Um, so I started. What, what we'll do is, I was going to say, if you like, I could show a bit of a picture of uh, some of Rosie's awesome skills of drawing. So that one's not mine. So that's sort of one. No. <laughs> one of my that's kids. Not you, sort that. of, um, I did take the awesome. photo. I thought, hey, at least you had a bit of input. Yeah, budding photographer. Yeah, photographer. Sort of. Hey, you never know these days. Sort of when, when it comes to art, something that simple can be sort of like the next big seller. 
Oh, we could course. be sitting there and that's a million dollar painting. Oh, yeah. Anything these days, whatever anyone interprets, is there's always a niche out there for something. Yeah, there is. So let's talk about professional Rosie. Professional Rosie. Well, I've always worked in the disability sector. I started um, when I was about 14 volunteering. So when I had you know a free period at school, we were quite close to the specialist school and I could walk down and just loved it. Absolutely loved it. And that became a career, obviously, when I finished school and could get a job. So I worked in disability for all of that time in lots of different settings, though. I, I worked in schools, I worked privately, in respites, in day centres, in all sorts of different settings. I always knew that this was the area, but I didn't know what environment I wanted to do it in. So I've always loved working in disability and mental health, but I have was yet to find the right setting where that really fitted what I bring. Well, see, the ironic thing is it's the same kind of field I'm in. I've been with yeah. the Special Olympics since I was 15. Mm -hmm. So I was a, a tennis coach. I, I coached the 10 pin bowling and basketball and all these kind of things too. Yeah. And and I think that's where conversation flowed naturally when we, we first spoke on the phone yeah. about doing this podcast and then our one subject matter melded into another subject matter, into another subject matter. 40 minutes later on the phone, we're like, <laughs> that was the podcast just there. What the hell? We should have just pressed recording and went from there. Yeah, I do but remember. Instead, no, we had to go through. Yeah, how are we going to remake that conversation again? Because that was a great conversation. I thought, oh, how am I going to remake that? But I think when you're with like-minded people that have exposure to the same sort of environments, it does flow really quite naturally. Oh, and and, and certainly, sort of, I I work with a disability provider. I'm not going to use their name just for for their professional reasons. But down towards the same area where you are, are you okay with the location of where? Yeah, yeah. Bass do we Coast. let people know whereabouts yeah. you're? And sort of, um, there was different things that we were talking about. Everything from um, people putting labels on but like just kids in general it doesn't have to be people with disabilities as well it's sort of kids in general getting labeled whether at school it's at home it's socially it's on the internet been so many of those and have you tackled that within your counseling room jimmy it's quite a controversial topic because i can see both sides here so you know there's a side that absolutely despises of labels and a side that really really needs them and i can see benefit in both if done correctly. So the way that I see it, I'll just talk from my perspective for a minute, is that we label every single thing that exists on earth, a table, a pen, a book, that's a label. We don't describe, you know, paper stapled together. It's a book. That's what we call it. So that's our way as humans of better understanding the world around us and making sense of it. In relation to labeling a person with a diagnosis, the perspective of obviously it helps with funding and understanding what is happening for that person it can absolutely be detrimental of them identifying with only that label and not seeing any of their other wonderful traits of what else makes them who they are. I actually read a post recently and it was it was written by an autistic person and they spoke about it not being right for their parents. When they were growing up, they withheld their diagnosis from their child and this child grew up, they became aware that they were autistic and they said that not growing up knowing that was really quite harmful for them because the way we are as 
most humans, they were still labeled, but they were labeled as stubborn, lazy, you know, all these quite negative, harsh, insensitive or oversensitive labels. And now their label is autistic. So having known that from a child, it could have saved them from a lot of identity issues of resonating with I'm lazy. Everyone thinks I'm lazy. Everyone thinks I'm insensitive. It would have given them the understanding to, you know, bring awareness that, oh, I know that that's something that I struggle with, one of those aspects, but that's okay. And I can explain that and not have these quite negative labels attached. And another autistic person wrote on this and said that this it's an, a little analogy, but it, they said that there is comfort in knowing that you're a normal zebra and not a strange horse and how hard it is to find community with other zebras if you don't know that you belong there. So how can a zebra spend its life being happy and healthy and accepting itself if it's brought up being told that it's a fabled horse? I'm not sure how that makes sense. Yeah, I don't think the answer is black or white. Labels are good or labels are bad. I think it's about it comes down to your personal family values and what's right for that child, I think, or adult too. I hear it a little bit from that. It's sort of the person wanting uh, their choice to be educated on pre-information before the labels created that this is a possible diagnosis and nobody's listened to them and said that this is how it's affected me that not knowing and me having to discover this myself has really hurt that that was probably the biggest issue from the particular person that it originally started with their their first post was that why did no one tell me this yeah absolutely and i think it it does it comes down to you know the parent it might be really hard when your child's really really young and they go through like do i tell them do i not tell them what's the damage either way and i think i think personally it comes down to how it's communicated to them are we saying their label or diagnosis in a negative tone is it becoming oh it's because of this diagnosis or are we saying it as a positive way just for some awareness and information so i had an activity with one of my clients last week actually who's autistic and we had a piece of paper and we wrote these are the things that are wonderful about my autistic brain and these are the things I really struggle with and we wrote lists and the activity was to bring awareness so that she knows that she struggled with those things it doesn't mean those things need to come off that list and we need to work on them and have nothing on that list because there are struggles but we're aware of them and we can accept them and we can see other people's struggles and just having that awareness is huge I think she's not beating herself up going why am I so awful at these things she can look at that list and go that's something I struggle with because of the way my autistic brain is wired and then there comes a bit of self-acceptance and gentleness and love from that but it's with everything is being able to understand everything in life if you want to require a skill you you need to understand the nuts and bolts of it from the the start of it to the end of it nobody nobody goes oh well i'm gonna learn to ride a bike hang on oh i've learned how to pedal but i won't sit on the seat i'll just that's it they give up on the skill learning any kind of information about whether yourself or anything else uh, you do a course in tafe or or uni you you don't sit there and go well i'm only going to learn the stuff that interests me and then i'll get out of it they're not going to give you your qualification by saying oh well you've turned up 20 percent of the time good for you let's stick to that but the, the one thing i found interesting about labels was that a lot of labels are also made by uneducated 
educated people. Yes, By definitely. people that aren't educated on these labels and it's just thrown around to just to for them to go, well, I think I know this because I've either Googled it on my phone, I know, I've Googled symptoms or being plain mean sometimes. Yeah, and that's really it, it harmful be, if we're using yard a... bullying is for... Yeah, if we're using a diagnosis as an insult, that's where a lot of this stigma does come from and why someone might be embarrassed to disclose what they're actually diagnosed with and I think like knowing what how your brain is wired and how you live is really important because if you grow up and say you're autistic and that information was maybe withheld from you and you grow up and all through high school you might really struggle with social situations and interactions and instead of having the insight to go this might be a part of me being autistic and I can work on this I might get a therapist or whatever however you choose to work on it you might instead grow up thinking what's wrong with me why doesn't anyone understand me and that can turn into a really dark self-hatred place that's the other side comes into our, our next subject which was communication that was a big thing of going back to that autistic person needing communication in their life and obviously the parenting body was not whether if it's a mother or a father or, or a guardian of any type not communicating to that person and that was the first thing that I noticed that they said in that post and usually kind of people are blunt and speak from the heart in the first five seconds in a comment and then they'll add lib into that comment yeah. and so being able to turn around and not be communicated to that was feelings they generated in that first five seconds as well yeah and yeah, sort of how how is that something that you you deal with with parents talking about communication and yeah well that, that can be quite a tricky area because it's finding that balance of helping without ever judging or intending to make someone feel like they're a bad parent or they're doing it wrong or they you know I never want anyone to feel that way so it can be a quite a tricky topic to approach and I think it's just going gentle about it seeing where they're at with it you know not diving in and saying by the way you need to be doing this you're not doing it right because that's not how it is also trying to show parents different ways that their children are communicating that aren't verbal I'm always just so gobsmacked at the the percentage of how we communicate our words being only seven percent and I've lived working in the disability industry working with a lot of people that don't communicate verbally but my goodness did we have some banter and some arguments you do not need to use words to get your point across and I've been so exposed to that I often hear stories of you know this child threw a chair across across the classroom at school they're such a naughty kid or they're so bad or how can we make them learn that that's not on and I my first thought is always why did they do that okay building up to that moment how much has been missed of this child trying to communicate something in some way and I'm not saying that it's always the teacher's fault I understand you know there's a lot of children in a class and but there's a lot of adults involved in children's upbringing and every behavior is an unmet need and I've always been taught that every behavior is an attempted communication at an unmet need and there are a hundred steps to getting to the point of throwing that chair whether we've seen it or not so it's trying to learn how that person is communicating and you know possibly modeling healthier ways for that child to communicate well I think a lot of the, the great thing you're talking about the non-verbal cues as well as the communication because the thing is the non-verbal cues are, are the big things and sort of um, sometimes communication's the key but also the, the lack of communication in a situation depending on where it is and what's happening can be probably just as powerful as talking Definitely. and sort of um, yeah. I know we, we spoke about that in 
the past and sort of how powerful just silence can be to someone very introverted or someone who's hurting at that at that particular time consoling them and just having someone there to go that's why they developed are you okay day and that's the reason we developed this was because this is going to be a digital version of are you okay day yeah and And i think also something uh, to keep in mind is sitting there in silence is communicating thousands and thousands of things isn't it it's communicating maybe i'm here for you or i've got time for you i care about you i don't understand but i just want you to know if you i'm here so that is still communicating we don't need to use our words and to model these healthy communication styles and coping techniques i am so big on the grown-ups in children lives being open about their emotions and obviously to an extent that is not damaging and overwhelming for a child but if i'm telling a child to let out their angry feelings in a healthy way but i'm always smacking a smile on my face even if they can feel energy wise that i'm not i'm having a stressful day maybe i'm tired now i'm not going to offload that onto a child but i am all about you know working in classroom settings saying oh these lights are really bright and the noise is a bit overwhelming i'm going to step outside just for two minutes because that's showing that i've brought awareness to what's upsetting me and i've reached into my toolbox of coping skills and I've chosen one and modeling that for a child not making out that adults are these emotionless robots that don't have big feelings either because we do it's just finding that balance of communicating that to a child without obviously dumping trauma onto a child as well well that's the amazing thing that what has happened over the recent years is how it's developed the the term of mental health is like the old folks say that back in the day parents weren't shown to show emotions yeah parents there was no such thing as hide your feelings boys don't cry yeah. this doesn't happen i've had males under my care just ball their eyes out sit by their side and go okay high five whatever and then sort of um in silence and just maybe we sit here for five minutes yeah. listen to the sounds of the background i'm going to stop talking let their their body do something and you can just picking up on the drop of the head or the slump of the shoulders all these kind of cues that this is what unfortunately parents need like sometimes do need a little bit of coaching themselves not just the child Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and maybe there needs to be an adult education into parenting because sort of people don't all know what they're going to be doing from day to day yeah of course definitely and a child cannot facilitate change for themselves without the whole family being involved which is why i love when parents come and sit in on sessions with their child and i do request it a lot because i can do all the work in the world with your child but we need to be in this as a team and with no it's finding a way to communicate that without shaming parents because they often are doing what they were brought up with or what or maybe they're so overwhelmed themselves that they don't have time or they don't have the skills I should say to regulate themselves before approaching a dysregulated child so it's just needing to find that judgment free space where we can just let it out without feeling like oh these people are going to think I'm a bad mum but I have cannot count how many times you know I've had a child really dysregulated and angry and they're being told to sit down and be quiet I've brought them out and said let's scream you know if it's appropriate obviously I don't want to alert alarm anyone that something horrific's happening they might call the police but letting it out it's okay to scream it's okay to kick things it's not okay to kick other people or break things but why can't we have a specific beanbag or pillow or punching bag because sometimes we need to physically get it out we just need to understand the difference between doing it safely and appropriately 